This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's show comes from Darabin Presbyterian Church in Melbourne's Inner North. Today's big question, is Christianity repressive? We're asking this question today to two people, Chris and Beck Berry. Chris grew up in Warrigal on a dairy farm, worked as a high school maths teacher, but is now working as a chaplain at a university and studying theology. He enjoys cricket, gardening, op shopping and coffee. And he joins us now. Please welcome Chris Berry. Also joined by Beck Berry. Beck grew up in Torquay and is now an intensive care nurse at the Alfred. She enjoys coffee, running, and terrible reality TV shows. And she joins me now. Please welcome Beck Berry. Well, Chris and Beck, welcome to Bigger Questions. Thanks, Rob. It's great that you can join us. Well, to kick off Bigger Questions, we do like to ask a couple of smaller questions. We do like to have a bit of fun on the show. Today, we're talking with Chris and Beck Berry about if Christianity is repressive. Now, some claim that Christianity inhibits personal freedoms and stops you from having fun. So today, I thought you'd test you on how much you know about partying. Do you feel qualified at all? Or yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Your game. You're, yeah. Okay. Well, there's two questions, both multiple choice. Question one. According to the Guinness Book of Records, where was the longest dance party of all time held? Was it A, La Trobe University in Melbourne? <laughs> was it B, in Beirut in Lebanon? Was it C, in Wexford in Ireland? Or was it D, the village of Dull in Scotland? So where was the longest dance party of all time held? I'll go the Irish. You go the Irish? What about you, Beck? Yeah, the one that has Dull in its name doesn't really sound like a huge party destination. Okay, uh, so yeah. yeah. Well, unfortunately, the answer actually is not Dull, uh. but it's actually, <laughs> the answer, the answer is actually Beirut in Lebanon. D Wexford held the previous record, so perhaps your records are a little bit out of doubt, but yeah. they were surpassed by one in Beirut, which may, well, it obviously does surprise you. Um, but there was once a party in Dole when the community hosted a reception at the local cinema for the visiting mayor of Bland and his <laughs> delegation. Bland, of course, being a district in western New South Wales. So a party in Dole with the mayor of Bland, do you think that'd make for a wild night out, do you think? About as wild as the Eagle Bar at La Trobe Union, I reckon. Question two. How long did the world record-breaking party in Beirut go for? Was it A, 16 minutes, a short party is a good party? <laughs> Was it B, 24 hours, a whole day, because people can't party much more than that? Was it C, 56 hours, over two full days of partying? Or was it D, it's still going on, for life is a party? So maybe, Beck, you want to start us off this time. Which one of those is the world record-breaking party in Beirut? How long did it go for? Oh, it's got to be more than a day, doesn't it? Like, anyone can pull th a 24-hour yeah. one, you know? I think I've partied for longer than that. So I'm going to go see. Can't I'll still be going, surely. I'll go D. Oh. Maybe it's just one that's just... <laughs> the, the nightclub's still open. Okay, well... <laughs> I wouldn't. It's <laughs> just if you wanted to pass. Because you'd be wrong. Because you'd be Therefore, wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. That's right, yes. Anyway, so the answer, actually, the answer was actually C, 56 hours over two full days. So, Beck, you're the life of the party because you passed. Uh, Chris, your, da you. your partying days are done. Yep, you but you failed. didn't. You failed. That's right. <laughs> anyway, so please give Chris and Beck a big round of applause. <laughs> now, Beck, partying was a feature of your story at one point in your life. 
Now, you also grew up going to church regularly, but stopped when you were 14. So why was that? Um, so my parents brought us up to go to church and then they got pretty badly burnt by the church. And so they stopped going and said to us, uh, when we'd hit 14, uh, we were allowed to make the decision for ourselves. Yeah. Um, I kept going for a little while and then I got to that age where I had to decide whether I would prefer to spend my Sunday mornings getting up early and going to church or recovering from a hangover. And naturally I picked the hangover. So right. that's why I stopped going. Okay. So it was just inconvenient or uh, what else was there? There was other things going <laughs> yeah. on? Yeah, there was more to play than that. I started to have some real doubts about whether God existed. I just didn't really feel that it was right anymore. And um, I just found that the people that I was with quite, um, I found, I thought they were judgmental and they weren't very nice. And so um, I started to have doubts. I didn't like the people. It, it all just became too much and I just didn't want to go anymore. But you also came, became quite, not just apathetic, but actually quite cynical as well towards Christianity. What, so what, I did. How, how, <laughs> So how are you to your people, your Christian friends, so to speak? Yeah, I was quite antagonistic. Uh, a hobby of mine was paying people out during Christian Ed or just baiting them because I, I knew enough about God to know the kind of bits that you can talk about that kind of get under people's skin. And in science class, year 12 biology, my science teacher used to be teaching and then she'd hear a siren, okay, we all got to stop, we've got to stop, we've, we've got to pray for that for that ambulance that's going past. And, and one week I said to her, actually, my parents are paying for you to teach me not to pray for that ambulance going past. So if you could get back to the lesson, I'd really appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So no, I, I greatly enjoyed antagonizing Christians. Right. Okay. So how was life for you at this time though? It wasn't great. Um, I was, yeah, trying to figure out what life was all about and decided that I'd just kind of hit that point where let's just go out and enjoy life, make the most of it. You only live once, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. so that's what you were trying to do. Yeah. Now you finished high school, went to university, but yep. before you started, you went on a long walk. Now in long walks, you have plenty <laughs> of times to think. So what happened yep. on this particular long walk? Yeah. Um, so some people go on schoolies. I decided to go for a 12 day bush walk. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I went to a really remote part of Tassie um, and did a 12 day bush walk. And halfway through it, we sort of were hiking up this huge mountain called Ironbound. And we finally got to the top. And um, I just remember looking out and seeing this amazing mountain that kind of dipped into this glorious valley with this majestic river running through it as it opened up to this huge ocean where I could see no end. And I just remember thinking, such an amazing creation has to have an amazing creator. I, I decided that the Big Bang was probably the most logical formation of the world. And all of a sudden, I just couldn't quite believe that that this was all just a big coincidence and so I decided that I I guess when I get back from this this trip I'm going to try and figure out what amazing creator has created this yeah so you came back yeah started university yeah moved to university or moved to campus I on did. campus yeah it was o-week yeah what happened then o-week kicks in and it was a nine-day party, pretty much. Every day was another event, another party. It was huge and I joined in, participated, decided I was going to, if I was going to do O-Week, I was going to do it properly. And, um, and, and did you? <laughs> I gave it 110%. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so was it a blast? There was fun in there, but 
there was also lots of sort of anxiety related to it as well. Like, you know, there are all these new people, you got to try and get to know them and, you know, you're constantly recovering from a hangover. So, you know, you just drink again, hair of the dog kind of thing. It was also quite emptying, like in order to kind of be popular, you wanted to go to these parties, you know, sort of pick up guys to try and be cool, but kind of woke up and it wasn't great. And yeah, it was a, it was a long nine days. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think you were looking for? At that time, I was looking to be included, to feel wanted and a part of something. Um, and also just to, yeah, really feel loved and wanted. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you weren't quite finding it. No. Uh, that was the frustrating thing is, you know, you'd go out and you'd drink lots and, and you'd think you're having a really good time. And then, you know, you'd pick up a guy and, you know, kind of feel loved temporarily. And then all of a sudden, those feelings just wane again, don't they? You, you wake up, you don't feel great feel physically ill and you feel empty and kind of used and and so that cycle just continued mm. so you say so you, you wake up one morning yeah. after a hungover uh looking in the mirror what did you see one morning i looked in the mirror and saw a huge black eye and no idea how i got it um so for me that was actually quite a moment where i realized that life was pretty bad actually like it it, it wasn't enjoyable anymore and I didn't like who I was and, and so I would drink to kind of almost self-medicate, drink to escape that reality and, yeah. So what did you do? You were drink, uh, drinking but did you try to find something to overcome that? Yeah, well, it just so happened that uh, back in the old days where Hotmail used to spam people by accident, you know, you'd be like, oh, no, my account's been hacked. Sorry, everyone. Um, my, I just so happened to have spammed a friend that um, I used to go to a Christian camp with back when I was uh, 13. And he emailed me back, hey, Beck, how are you going? And he just happened to, you know, live a K down the road. And I kind of invited myself along to church with him because I was like, okay, that, that's right. I'm meant to be figuring out this God stuff. Whoops. All right, I'll, I'll go to church with him and, and try and figure it out. But why specifically church wouldn't that stop you having fun and sort of suppress you or oppress you uh yes and I was aware of that uh it, it was in the back of my mind but at the same time um I felt so empty that I thought anything has got to be better than this 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 life is just not satisfying anymore um I, I need to sort of figure this out so what happened yeah, so I, I went to church and um, I heard this sort of this message that this God that created this amazing universe actually loved me. And more than that, he loved me so much he would give his son to die for all the bad things that I had done. It just blew my mind. It blew your mind. Yeah. So you kind of, at that stage, you would say that you accepted that message. Yes. But it was a bit of a journey for you though. Yeah. You still had some bad habits, so to speak. Yeah. So what, what was that journey like? Yeah, well, when you medicate yourself with alcohol to numb your reality, for me, I didn't just become a Christian and all my problems disappeared. Um, I had to deal with them and, and it took years um, of trying to, I guess, as I got to know Jesus more and understand what he wanted from me, it meant that I sort of had to change the way that I was living. Um, but I loved him more and so I wanted to live a life that pleased him more. But yeah, it, it took a. It, it's still taking a very long time to yeah to deal with all of those bad habits and things that I had done in the past. Mm. Well, thanks so much for sharing uh, parts of your story there, Beck. Now, your, uh, Chris, your story is similar to Beck's in some respects, but still different. Now, you didn't grow up going to church at all, but you were still searching for something spiritual. Yeah, I kind of. I think my family 
just said, oh, the, the, the religious school can kind of sort out all the God stuff. Uh, so I was sent off to a, a very religious school and uh, I got involved in kind of a youth group and there was lots of kind of candles and, and chanting uh, and things like that. And did you like that? Uh, I kind of liked the intensity uh, and uh, hanging out with the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and building kind of D&M relationships. Right, okay, yeah. So, so you enjoyed the kind of connection time with these people. Um, but were you searching for something though? Yeah, I, I think at the time certainly I was. I was kind of really convicted and, and convinced that I wasn't uh, good enough to earn God's kind of love or acceptance. Mm-hmm. So, so the mentality very much was, oh, I better go to these camps. I better kind of do all these things. Maybe then, maybe then God might accept somebody yeah. like me. But you did spend a lot of time partying as a teenager. You were a bit of a yep. party, party man. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So tell us what happened. What was that? What was that like? Oh, you're growing up in the country. What else is there to do? (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, yeah, every Saturday night we were somewhere. Right. Yeah. I I was at one party and a bloke came up to me. He's like, you're going to say hi to me? It's my birthday. (laughs) So, yeah, sorry. Now, you finished high school, though, and went to South Africa on a gap year. So why did you go there? Well, uh, what I really was loving was the partying and and fooling around with girls and whatnot. Uh, And I knew that probably that wasn't, uh, leading to a flourishing life and it probably wasn't what God wanted uh, of me. So I thought, uh, you know, having the religious guilt that I would better go and do something good. So I better go help some um, poor uh, students in Africa. Who would have thought, you know, 19 Aussie and 19 year old Aussie uh, in charge of a uh, primary school kids would be a good idea, but I, I somehow managed. <laughs> uh, and when I was there, it was lovely. It was a great experience. Yeah, so what happened when you were there? Uh, I don't know. I was kind of good for a moment <laughs> and uh, I was kind of ticking the right boxes for the two terms that I was at uh, this small primary school. Yeah, but you were still the loud Aussie in the bar though, weren't you, this time? Yeah, I, I do remember I, I talked to some people afterwards and they were like, this bloke is not going to survive in the middle of nowhere, 400 k's from the biggest uh, you know, town. He's clearly going to give up early. Um, right. But uh, somehow I survived. But you also, were you trying to read the Bible at, at this particular point? Yeah, I was. I was actually trying to kind of know God. It, it was kind of like a private kind of Christian school, uh, but it was more excellence instead of kind of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So uh, in this little school, kind of the God thing was kind of there, but the gospel certainly wasn't clear. Yeah. So what were you looking for? Yeah, I didn't know. I was just trying to please God. I was trying to kind of earn his favor. I was trying not to be the drunk slut uh, pretty much. <laughs> right. Okay. So you came back to Australia, went to university. What happened then? Pretty much, I saw this kind of club at a university called the Christian Union, and I thought, oh, great, you know, this, this club will kind of help me be a better person. Uh, it'll be lovely. So I started kind of rolling along to their meetings. Yeah. Uh, it was very odd because um, I, I now work out there, and I know the bloke who preaches the same message every week. Uh, so I was hearing about Jesus, but the whole idea that uh, I wasn't adding anything to my salvation, but that Jesus had done it all, uh, that the whole idea that I had to earn my way to God's love was so ingrained in me that it took like nine months for me to actually hear who Jesus was and what Jesus did mm. for me. Mm. But what, were you, what did you make then of your sort of your partying lifestyle at the same time though? Oh, well, yeah, I guess I was very conflicted. Right. I remember, uh, yeah, going out and, and, and some of my friends were kind of living very immoral lifestyles uh, from my religious community. And I remember talking to somebody about the CU uh, about this and they were like, mate, you need to get better Christian friends. 
Right. So it was a kind of a bit of a slap in the face to me because I was like, oh, what am I doing here? Do I want to do I want to live for the party or do I want to live for God? And yeah, it was kind of very up and down, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So you saw something different and in the people at the Christian Union? Yes. People lovingly uh, accepted me, my quirks and all. Uh, <laughs> Op shopping. Like, yeah, no, it wasn't then. But my eccentric nature at times, people were like, whoa, don't know how to take that guy. Yeah. You know, DMing with the girls, stuff like that. Right. Like, yeah. Just freaking people out, I think. Yeah. There is a passage in the Bible, in the book of Galatians, uh, which is a letter written by the Apostle Paul in the first century, which is Galatians 5.1, which says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, Chris, you thought that the Christian life was kind of a list of rules and trying to please God. So how do you feel when you read those words? They were actually pretty life-giving for me. Uh, because I always felt uh, like my good works was just like this thing that hung around my neck and was just constantly kind of weighing me down and I could never actually deal with um, my sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this passage that says it's actually freedom that Christ brings, that actually Jesus frees us from our sin. I'm not enslaved by being the drunk slut anymore. That doesn't hold me anymore like it used to. It doesn't grip me. I'm free in Christ. I'm forgiven. And I can actually live a life that pleases God and that, that he has a say in all areas of my life. So it's, it's wonderful freedom that the Christian, that the Christian message brings. Mm. Today's big question is, is Christianity repressive? And the Bible gives insights into this question. In the Gospel of John, which is one of the four biographies of Jesus' life that we have, uh, Jesus speaks metaphorically in chapter 10, verse 7, saying, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep, All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. So here Jesus is describing people who follow him as sheep uh, and himself as the gate for them. He says that those who come to him find pasture. So how do you guys react to that passage? Maybe, Beck, how do you you react to that? Well, yeah, I guess it it tells me and and it tells us that the only way to real life is to come through Jesus. You can't come through the the good moral life like Chris was trying. You can't come to have an amazing life through just, um, yeah, partying all the time or trying to live for the now or or pleasure. Actually, the only way to really have a good and fulfilling life is to come through Jesus. And that's been your experience? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So, But how do you feel then about being characterised as a sheep? Some would suggest that it implies kind of being mindless and stupid because that's what sheep are in some respects. I mean, is that how, when you were wrestling with the Christian faith, were you thinking that that's kind of what you were about to get in yourself in for? Well, it's probably, probably for me, it's kind of, well, who is the shepherd? It's a question about that. Because yeah. in one sense, we're all following something or someone. Haven't we seen that on uh, Instagram lately? What's, the, what's it called? A, Influen- an yeah. influencer. We're all being influenced by something. So right, it's a yeah. question of... Who is it that's kind of leading you and where are you going? So does God look for you and and shine his face upon us and actually be for our good and kind of lead us into kind of good pasture to get the cow cow milking illustration from my childhood in there? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jesus then goes on and says, speaking about his people, he says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, as people, you know, who have tried living life to the full at one point, how do you react to the words living life to the full? Beck? Trying to live life to the full without Jesus, it always leads to dissatisfaction. Uh, it, if you I mean, put, Does it really? I mean, surely that was you know, a phase perhaps you were going through as a young person. Like, does it really have to lead to that dissatisfaction? 
Um, I think that uh, we all try and find satisfaction somewhere with whatever it may be, whether it's with our job, with our family, with money. For me, it was, you know, living for the now. Like we all try and find satisfaction Yeah. where I think that those things will always leave us feeling empty still. Um, and that's a really frustrating experience. Yeah. So what is it about Jesus then that makes you feel full or have now life is to the full? Well, I guess he took my broken and empty heart and filled it, you know, with love. And it sounds so cliche, but when you do feel broken or or you do feel that life just has no, like it's just got no meaning or you just can't figure it out. When you you find Jesus um, and you find that life, it is fulfilling. Um, All of a sudden, all the other good things of the world find their right place. You know, alcohol is put in its right place. Sexuality is put in its right place. They're no longer God or what you're living for. If you live for Jesus, you start to appreciate his good gifts uh, as opposed to living for them. Mm. Now, there was a question on Reddit which sort of dealt with this, uh, about the nature of the Christian faith being restrictive, opposing fun and you know, repressing natural desires. The questioner said, it seems like Christianity today is inherently opposed to anything that might bring people pleasure, whether it's drinking alcohol, smoking marijuana, smoking cigarettes, anything sexual, if it's fun and enjoyable, it's sin. So we asked the question, why is it that Christians today seem to be opposed to anything that might bring anybody any kind of happiness? So how would you respond to our questioner from Reddit? Yeah, so I would say that they're all um, got good God-given gifts um, and when enjoyed rightly, they lead to um, good life. But anything in excess is always bad for us um, and all of those often good things can lead to addiction. I mean, there's a reason there's, you know, nicotine patches for people struggling with smoking, you know, Alcoholic Anonymous and gambling, you know, like all these good things that God has given us, we... We put them too high up and um, God too far down and, yep, Mm. they're not bad things. So, but you've given up alcohol altogether though, Beck. So, tell us, why is that? Yeah, so, given it up for a pretty long time um, because... Yeah, there was just lots of hard issues that I needed to work work on. Um, you know, when you you try and escape your reality so long with alcohol, um, eventually you just have to cut it off in order to deal with, with reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's <clears throat> what I had to do. So do you think you're missing out though by not having any alcohol? Well, the truth in part is yes, there is an element of missing out. Uh, maybe that wasn't the answer you wanted, but um, no, you no, know, a husband <laughs> that's into microbrewery and you know <laughs> brewing his own beer, like yeah, there is an element in which you're missing out, but... Uh, I'm pretty convinced that uh, missing out a little bit now um, is so much better than going back into that, you know, chasm of that I was in before I knew God. So should you stop partying? Gee, I hope not because we were partying last night at a wedding. (laughs) It was a lovely wedding actually. It was. Um, So, yeah, no, definitely not. No. What about you, Chris? Do you think you should stop partying? Uh, No. Uh, Maybe for some people I'd say actually you need to grow up and maybe give them some things up because they're ruling your life. Mm. So I'm okay to awkwardly have direct conversations with people sometimes Mm -hmm. if I feel that maybe their lives don't match up and they're actually living for alcohol and sex or or partying or whatnot. Uh, But is partying in and of itself sinful? No, I don't don't think so. Mm -hmm. It's just in the right order, as you said, or in the right priority. Well, thanks so much for sharing your stories tonight. Now, you guys are a married couple. Now, people always like to hear stories of how couples get together. So maybe just wondering, how did that happen? Now, Chris, you didn't just send a, back a text saying, you know, how's about it? What happened? Well, Facebook was in its infancy. <laughs> and uh, 
some foolish people put their phone numbers on Facebook. <laughs> we, look ba- since removed. <laughs> <laughs> we look back and think, wow. So I just started doing the, you know, sending a few texts, sending a few face mails, you know, doing a bit of flirting when we're kind of hanging out at the public meeting at the Christian Union. Right. But you, then you gave her a call, though. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you say in that phone call? <laughs> Well, he, he said, um, yeah, I get this phone call. Um, you know, yeah, I'm really enjoying getting to know you. You seem to be lots of fun. Um, but I haven't always treated women well in the past, and so I just want to take it slow. So it would be really great if we could just keep getting to know each other. You know, at group things, we'll invite our friends together, and then we can just sort of be intentionally seeing whether, you know, we can, yeah, maybe might start dating soon. So how did you, <laughs> how did you react when you got that sort of phone call? <laughs> I, first of all, couldn't believe that someone was so open with their feelings. Like, I just wasn't used to guys sharing how they felt. And it also blew my mind that uh, someone actually wanted to get to know me. Like, they didn't want to take me out and have a good time. They actually wanted to get to know me as a person and have fun with me. Wow. Uh, it, it, yeah, it really blew my mind. So what motivated you to say that then, Chris? Beck was unlike anyone I'd ever met. I, I'd become a Christian and just assume that I would... Um marry uh, maybe a nerd because <laughs> no offence uh, a, lot, a, lot of a lot of my uh, friends at the time and, and girls as well were kind of maybe more conservative or less of flair than kind of I had so kind of Beck came along she was bringing, uh, bringing her friends along to kind of who were asking messages about the, the Christian faith I knew she hadn't uh, sorted everything else out our first date actually we kind of got some pizza and hung out and kind of looked at Melbourne City and she just spewed all this stuff at me she's like hey by the way so this was not literally no, 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 no. Okay, just want to clarify that. Yes, you kind of went really deep. And, yeah. and I think actually Beck was like, actually, here's all my faults and yeah. you're going to reject me like everybody else has. Uh, and I didn't. So, but, uh, so what, yeah. but what motivated you to treat her with the, the respect that she felt? Uh, well, I guess I wanted to transform my life and I wanted to live differently. Mm-hmm. I wanted Jesus to have a say in every area of my life. Uh, and I had worked out that I had some very dysfunctional relationships with how I uh, related to women and that wasn't healthy. And so this was now, obviously you had changed in some respects and this was a, a, the first a- attempt at trying a, a different way. Yes, it was. Yeah, and it worked. It did. <laughs> <laughs> She's all right. So, so, uh, so, so I'm, uh, I'm clearly batting above my league. Yeah. <laughs> so you were blown away when you heard that. Was that attractive to you, the way he approached the relationship? Absolutely. I mean, even any of the Christian guys that I had met were still not treating me very well. And so I just assumed that most guys were dogs. I'm really <laughs> sorry <laughs> to all the males. Um, it's okay. Yeah, and, and it, my self-worth was quite low. I just assumed that's how I had deserved to be treated because I had done some pretty you know, bad things as well. So for someone to come along and, yeah, treat me well, um, talk to me nicely, uh, want my company, I, yeah, and p- to put God first before me, it was... Just something, it was new to me. Yeah. And you did say yes. Yeah. (laughs) I don't regret it. So, Beck and Chris, is Christianity repressive? No, I don't think so. Uh, The Church Father Augustine said, Our hearts are restless until we find rest in you. And certainly, I think that's right. We actually can have this big hole in our life that we try to fill it with other things, Uh, be that anything, things like cricket probably one that's more good to fill your life with, but no. (laughs) Or kind of, you know, alcohol, sex, drugs, whatever. We can kind of try and base our lives around that. But ultimately, it doesn't satisfy. There's actually more. And we've got a hole in our heart that that only Christ can fulfill. And and he actually brings life and and life to the full and and meaning and purpose and great delight. And that's been your experience? Certainly has. How about you, Beck? Is Christianity repressive? 
No, it's uh, it's freeing, uh, it's healing, um, and it makes life so much more enjoyable when you enjoy it in its you know good place under Christ. Let me leave you with the Bible's answer to the big question: Is Christianity repressive? From John ten ten, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I look forward to you joining us next time for bigger questions. Please thank our guests today, Chris and Beck Berry. Enjoy bigger questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash bigger questions.